Welcome to the JWRP Momentum Talks. Join us now for a journey into Jewish wisdom and inspiration. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm Lori Palatnik. I'm the founding director of the JWRP. Today we're going to be talking about turn Friday night into Shabbat. All right. When I was growing up, I have to tell you, like we were not, we didn't observe Shabbat. I think there was like a time where just a few weeks before my brother's bar mitzvahs, my mother on Friday night would have, we'd eat dinner in the dining room instead of the kitchen, which was very unusual. So, but it, there was nothing going on. There was no candles. There was no kiddish. There was no... So only looking back do I realize what was going on is that just before my brother's bar mitzvahs, I guess there was more Judaism in the air somehow. And so to celebrate that, we ate in the dining room. But uh, I didn't grow up with the sense of, uh, of what Shabbat was all about. And it wasn't until my early 20s that I really started to, to click into it. So I don't know what your background is and, and what you celebrated. But I definitely, you know, listen, people only do as much as they know. And if you don't know why you're doing something, after a while, you just stop doing it. That's just the reality. And just doing it, you know, there's the the classic joke uh, about the woman who goes with her friend to buy into the butcher shop to buy a brisket. Okay. And she tells the butcher, cut off the end. So her friend says, "Why, why are you cutting off the end? She goes, I don't know. My mother always ordered it that way. So she goes to her mother and she says, Mom, why did you, why you always order the brisket and tell them to cut off the end? She goes, I don't know. Like, you know, Bubby always did that, her mother. So she went to her grandmother, her Bubby, and she says, Bubby, why do you, why do you always get the brisket cut off at the end? She goes, because I had a short pan. So we often end up uh, doing things, not necessarily because there's a deep meaning, because, well, this is the way we always did it. But after a while, if you don't know why you're doing something and it's not, there's no meaningful answer, you stop doing it. It says that um, in, the, in the Kiddush that we make on Shabbat morning, it says that Shabbat is a sign. A sign. What does that mean? So imagine you go to uh, your local dry cleaner to drop off your clothes and they're closed. So what are you thinking? So I'm Canadian and I moved to the United States. I'm thinking it's another American holiday, like today, that I, I don't know anything about. I remember when I first moved to the States, I would ask people, so what, uh, like, you know, my, the women who came to my classes, I would say, okay, so President's Day is coming up. So what do you do on, what do you guys do on President's Day? So what do they say? We shop, okay? And so and every day was like that. Every day it was like we barbecue and shop, and that, that's the American way. So I... Uh, so let, imagine I go to the dry cleaner, I drop off to drop off my clothes, it's closed. So I'm thinking, oh, it's another holiday I don't know about. The next day I go back, it's still closed. Now I'm thinking like, wait, that's odd. I hope everything's okay. I hope, you know, the family who runs this cleaner, everything's fine. I come back the next day, the sign's down. What do I know? They're out of business. So when we say that Shabbat is a sign, it means the Jewish people are in business. It's not that the Jews keep Shabbat, it's Shabbat keeps the Jews. If you remember nothing about what I'm going to teach you in the next few minutes, please remember this. Shabbat, you know, we always say like Shabbat is a day of rest, is a day of rest, okay? Like, uh, and I don't know about you, if you've ever, you know, been involved in a Shabbat, it's not so restful. It would be a lot rest, more restful if we just laid on a beach. It's not a day where we stop working. It's a day we stop creating. 
Shabbat is the day we stop creating to recognize that there's a creator. We step back from the world and we let God run it. We stop creating to recognize there's a creator. So let's try to understand this. First of all, does God need us to recognize that he's the creator? What does God need from us? He's um, just needs all these people running around, taking care of him, doing things for him, praising him. What does God need from us? So the Almighty doesn't need anything from us. Nothing. Why? Because he's God. He's got it all. What's the greatest contribution the Jewish people gave to the world? What concept? Monotheism. The concept of one God. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. God is one. So most people would say it's monotheism. We're so proud of that. Yes, that's us. We're the one God people. We gave that to you. Do we agree that monotheism is an incredible concept? But what's so great about it? What's so great about monotheism? One-stop shopping. Never forget his name. Easy on the bumper stickers and the, and the buttons, okay? Did you study Greek mythology in high school? Okay, so I grew up. We studied Greek mythology. We studied them all, and yeah, you studied them, as myths. Mythology, okay? Zeus and Thor, and they steal each other's wives. Like, it's ridiculous, okay? People used to believe this stuff. People used to believe there was a god of weather and a god of commerce and a god of love. Specialized gods. Until Abraham stood up against the whole world and said, no, one. There's one. And everybody went, whoa, must be a Jew. So smart. Come on. What's so great about it? Today, we have specialized doctors, right? You have a problem with your foot, you don't go to a cardiologist. We have specialized lawyers, right? You're trying to make a, close a real estate deal, you don't go to a divorce lawyer. What would be wrong with specialized gods? You got a love problem? Pray to the love God. Weather problem? Weather God. Sounds like a, uh, it sounds like actually a, a much more specialized and more efficient way of running the world. What's so great about monotheism? If you have specialized gods, that means they have certain attributes and also certain lacking, right? One God means he's got it all. What can you give to somebody who has it all? Do you, you know anybody who's like really wealthy? Yeah? Okay, so I know some people are wealthy. So imagine you're a friend who's wealthy, it has a birthday or some sort of celebration, and you're thinking, what the heck am I going to get this guy? Okay? He's got it all. There's always something you can get him. My father, after all these years of Father's Days, he doesn't need a tie. He's retired. He's got every tool. He doesn't need them anymore. He lives in a condo. Okay? There's always something I can get my dad. But when we say that God has it all, we mean platinum, platinum, black, black, American Express, no limit. What can you give to somebody who really has it all? Nothing. That means he can't receive. It means he can only give. It means this whole world was created for, for us, for our pleasure. And the more you give, the more you love. 
the unique concept the Jewish people gave to the world is an all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipotent being who can't receive, who can only give. He created the world for us. For us. We make the mistake often, and we think we're doing the commandments, the mitzvot, for God. We think we're fasting on Yom Kippur for God. We are praying for God. We are learning Torah for God. We're giving tzedakah for God. Do you ever walk into, uh, I don't know how often you, you go to shul, but imagine, <laughs> imagine it's a Saturday morning, and you go, you end up, you go to shul, okay? So you walk in, this is what we do. You walk in and you're thinking, God, <laughs> here I am. I'm in shul, and there's not even a bar mitzvah, okay? You're insulting God, if you're thinking like that. You think God needs you to be in shul? You think God needs your prayers? You think God needs you to fast on Kippur? God has everything. That's what monotheism is all about. He's got it all. Don't do him any favors. My kids think they're cleaning their room for me. They're doing their homework for me. When my Moshi was a little boy, he wanted a cookie. I said, what do you say? He goes, please, thank you, excuse me. Like, pick the word you need to hear, Ima, and give me the cookie. As if I need to hear those words. I didn't teach Moshi to say, please, thank you, and excuse me for me. It's for him. It's for Moshi. So he'll be a mensch. So he won't just be a taker. So he'll get greater pleasure in the world and know that there's a source to everything. It's not for me. It's for Moshi. Don't make the mistake and think you're doing the commandments for God. Don't do him any favors. This is our opportunity. This is our opportunity. So we're going to stop creating to recognize that there's a creator. Not for God, but for us. How do we understand that? Imagine you wake up, wake up, and you, uh, it's Saturday morning. Got my house, got my car, got my kids, got my life. Or I wake up and it's Shabbat. God created the world. I look around, got my house, got my car, got my kids, got my life. It looks like the same life. How does it change the fact that I recognize that God is the creator? Stephanie, when's your birthday? October 25th. October 25th. Okay. So imagine, Stephanie, I send you a gift, right? I send you a parcel. You get a parcel in the, pap- in the, in the mail, and it's a package, and it says, To Stephanie, happy birthday from Lori Palatnik, Rockville, Maryland. How do you feel? Very happy. Very happy. Thank oh, my gosh. She remembered it was my birthday. Oh, my gosh. She ta- you unwrap the parcel paper, the brown parcel paper, and you see inside it's this, like, springy, sparkly bow. Okay? Right? It's, like, unbelievable. And, like, in the movies, like, really beautifully wrapped. How do you feel now? Even happier. Yeah, even happier. It's getting better. Okay? Great. So now you unwrap the wrapping paper, and you open up the box, and you see it's a beautiful sweater. How do you feel now, Steph? Wow, it's getting even better. And you see inside, it's a beautiful sweater, especially today, cold day, okay? It's a beautiful sweater. How do you feel? Very, very thankful. Very thankful, okay. And you see, it's not just some Kmart special. This is like a a fine cashmere sweater. We're getting great, huh? Okay, so now Stephanie takes out the sweater, and she looks, and there's a tag on the collar. And the tag says, handmade by Lori. 
Well, okay, this is totally fictitious. I can't, I can't sew a button. I'll send you a book, okay? <laughs> but imagine for this scenario, I actually remembered it was your birthday, handmade it out of love and sent it to you. How do you feel? Very, very happy. <laughs> yeah, this is like blow away. This is unbelievable. It's so unbelievable because I would never do this. But imagine, okay? Unbelievable. Okay. It's October 25th. It's a cold night. And Stephanie is getting ready to go out for her to for, for her birthday to be with her friends. Okay. She puts on the sweater. Okay. She puts on the sweater. She looks in the mirror. She looks beautiful. She goes out. The whole night her friends go, Stephanie, beautiful sweater. Where'd you get it? She was like, Lori Polanda, you know, she was representing. Look, she remember, look, she look, look, she made it for me. She made it for me. Okay, showing the tag on the collar. Every the whole night, people were going, Stephanie, beautiful sweater. And she's going, oh yeah, yeah, do that. She's telling the whole story about how I remembered her and I sent it to her and I handmade it for her and showing the tag. This never happened. Not just because I can't sew a knit. It's October twenty fifth. It's Stephanie's birthday. She's going out into the night to celebrate her birthday. She looks in her closet for a sweater. She finds the exact same sweater, but the first scenario never happened. She's not sure where she got this sweater from. Do you ever like find something in your closet? Like, did my sister leave this here? Was this last season? Sometimes you find something like you don't know where you got it from. It's a girl thing. She puts on the exact same sweater. The first scenario never happened. She puts it on. She looks in the mirror. She looks marvelous. She goes out into the night. The whole night, people are going, Stephanie, beautiful sweater. Where'd you get it? Stephanie goes, you know, I don't know. Like, did my cousin leave this here? Is my sister? You know what? I don't know. The whole night, Stephanie, beautiful sweater. Where'd you get it? The whole night, Stephanie's going, you know what? I don't know. I just found it in my closet. When Stephanie looks into the mirror in both scenarios, she looks exactly the same. And in terms of warmth, she feels exactly the same. But the pleasure of the first sweater that I remembered her, that I handmade out of love, that I sent it to her. You can't compare to the exact same sweater she just happened to find in her closet and doesn't know where it came from. God said, stop creating to recognize there's a creator. Not for me, not for God. This is for you. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on the unbelievable pleasure that everything in your life is a gift. So you can wake up, it's Saturday morning, look around, got my house, got my car, got my kids, got my life. Or you can look around you, and no, you wake up and realize it's Shabbat, it's Shabbos morning. You look around, got my house, got my kids, got my car, got my life. It looks like the exact same world. But when you realize that God runs the world and that everything in my life is a gift, every child's smile, every dollar, every raindrop, every blade of grass, it's a completely different world. Don't keep Shabbat for God. This is for us. Otherwise, we are going to miss out. All right, so if we stop creating to recognize there's a creator, what does that mean? How do we define creation? How do we define creation? So name me some creative acts, things that are creative. Cooking. Yeah, cooking. Okay, what else? Working. Working is creative. Depends on your work. <laughs> it can be creative, yes. Writing. Writing is creative, Yes. How about painting, painting, music, gardening for some people? For me, gardening is not creative. When people hand me a plant, like as a gift, I always I thank them. And then I whisper to the plant, I'm sorry for what's about to happen to you. <laughs> okay, this is, I do not have a green thumb. So, but th these are all creative acts. All right. Now, I love 
French Impressionist art. Um, I grew up, my mother's as an artist, my sister's an artist, very, there's a lot of art um, creativity in my family. And I grew up and we used to go on family outings to galleries and sketch and like that, that was how I grew up, okay? So I love French Impressionist art. So when I w- did that backpacking through Europe thing in my early 20s, I remember going to, to Paris and there's this one gallery called the Jeux de Palme. And it's just like the greatest collection of French Impressionist art, like the Renoir, the Pissero. Like I floated through there. So if you go to a gallery, you go to a gallery, you like art? Okay. Or like music, right? How about music? Yeah. Okay. So music. So imagine you're, uh, you're you know, you, you hear a song on the radio like, oh, that's nice. And you're bopping, right? And, that's nice. and then a song comes on. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I love this song, right? It, there are certain songs that just touch your soul. So when I go through a gallery, I go, oh, that's nice, that's nice. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And you call your friend over, like, look, look, look. Like, it just, there's this sense of transcendence that you get, this sense of otherworldliness. When God says stop creating to recognize there's a creator, how do we define what creation is? What activities are we refraining from on Shabbat in order, what creative activities? So the activities... There are 39 categories of creative acts that we refrain from on Shabbat. Where do they come from? So in the Torah itself, uh, the Jewish people, right, right? We get out of Egypt. We go to through the desert. We're at Mount Sinai. And God tells Moses to tell the Jewish people, build for me a mishkan and I will dwell amongst you. Build for me like a, like a portable tabernacle, almost like a portable synagogue where the service of God will be done, and I will dwell amongst you. I won't, it's not that I will dwell in it, that somehow this is going to bring God's presence stronger into the world. And then it breaks away, and it talks about keeping Shabbat, the importance of keeping Shabbat, and then it goes back to building the Mishkan. So when we talk about creative acts, because when, we, when we're, we're, we're discussing you know, painting and music, the ultimate act of creation, really the ultimate transcendence and otherworldliness, is to bring God's presence into the world. That would be the ultimate, right? Then it would be nothing greater. And all of these things, whether it's whether it's a, a song, a poem, um, these are are the sense of um, it gives you a brush with it, a brush of of, of what of the ultimate. So the ultimate ultimate would be to bring God's presence into the world. So all the categories we learn from the fact that in the building of the Mishkan, they break away and they tell you to keep Shabbat and they come back to the Mishkan, that this is what defines creativity. That all the things that go into building the Mishkan, we refrain from on Shabbat. For example, uh, there was cooking that went on. That was the first thing you said about creativity. So we had to bake these loaves of, of bread uh, that went into it. There was things like... Um, uh, we had to uh, have these tapestries. So in order to make these tapestries, we had to shear sheep, right? With And so you're not allowed to shear sheep on Shabbat. See, you're practically Shomer Shabbat, okay? So you shear sheep on Shabbat. Uh, it's so funny. I had a class once, and I was like, does anybody here ever shear sheep? And there was somebody who grew up on a farm who actually had. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay. So uh, so you shear the sheep. You got the wool. You have to make the, you know, like you have to put it on the what, I don't know how do you make wool like like the loom and everything and you you turn you turn the sheep's uh, the the wool of the sh- the, the sheep's whatever their skin and not the skin but like what, what do you call that stuff on the sheep? The wool. It's, you call it wool? What their hair or their covering or I don't know what the heck you call oh, it. Wool. Yeah. Well, I know that we, we turn it into wool, oh. but is it called wool when it's on them? 
Okay, this is this. Clearly, I grew up in a city and didn't grow up on a farm. Okay, okay. But you take it, you turn either it's called wool, you turn it into wool, into into the yarn. Okay, and then you dyed it, like you turn it into for colors, and then you uh, and then you braided it into this tapestry. So those become all these different categories of things that you refrain from on Shabbat because that's what created the Mishkan. Do you understand? Okay, so obviously we're not shearing sheep on Shabbat, but imagine you have a sweater and there's like a loose thread on the sweater. So really, you're not supposed to cut that sweater cut that loose skin thing or tie it up or anything, because that would fall under that category. Do you understand? Now, uh, we're probably not taking clothing and things and dyeing different colors, but we don't take a pen and write on Shabbat, because now we're taking this paper, and now the ink is on the paper, and it falls under that category. Do you understand? These 39 categories are like 39 principles, and the thing, there are things that apply that fall under it today. For example, they made they made, had to make a fire, and so we refrain from that on Shabbat. Not only we don't build a fire, we don't cook. Like, I don't start up my oven, and I don't shut it off. Do you understand? The world is complete on Shabbat. My world. I don't add to it. I don't take away. I don't plant. I don't reap. Do you understand? My world is complete. It's very interesting phenomena of our times is that I have found that people are basically divided into two. There are past people and there are future people. What does that mean? There are people who are obsessed with the past and there are people who are obsessed with the future. So where does guilt, revenge, and blame live? Past or future? The past. Definitely the past, okay? Where does worry, fear, and anxiety live? Future. future. Are you more primarily past or a future person? The past. You're more the past? So I'm more of a future person. Okay. So you're thinking like, oh, if I only had done that. And I was like, you have all these regrets. I'm more like, I have moments like that, but I'm more like, what's going to happen in the future? Okay. I'm more like a future worry person. Okay. So this is good. So you're more of a past person. So, so Stephanie, show me the past. You can't show me the past. Why? Because it already it already happened. Yeah, it's over. Could I show you the future? No. Why? It hasn't happened yet. So listen to the insanity. Oh, first of all, there are some people who are past and future people at the same time. They should get help. Oh, is that you? Okay. Get some therapy. Okay. You're very neurotic. <laughs> You're very neurotic. So get some therapy. So most people I found primarily fall either in past or future. Okay. So let's listen. Listen to the insanity. We spend an unbelievable amount of time, energy, headspace, emotion, and resources either dwelling on the past or worrying about the future. And they don't exist. Do you hear the insanity? They don't even exist. What is the only thing that exists? Now, right here. And we're never here. We're never here. We're missing out on here because we're dwelling on the past and worrying about the future. Shabbat forces you to be here, to be present. My world is complete on Shabbat. I prepare everything ahead of time. I don't add. I don't take away. I'm completely present. That way, all the craziness of the week kind of settles I am focused, I am present, and I realize what's important in life. Today, especially with all the technology, all the, the iPhones and the iPads and the IIIs, all right, this is, 
this is taking away from ever just being, okay? Because we're always plugged in. On Shabbat, we disconnect in order to connect. We stop creating in order to recognize that there's a creator. But being present takes effort. It takes work. You have to work at being here. Because otherwise, our default is either past or future, okay? So on Shabbat, again, we because we refrain from cooking on Shabbat, uh, you can warm certain things up, but under certain conditions, you have to learn certain laws. But basically, I, I cook everything ahead. I set my lights ahead of time, okay? I'm not going to turn them on and off, okay, whatever I need. We have these. There's a new invention called a kosher lamp. Have you ever seen one? So it's like this lamp, and it's got this turn thing, and the light, this little bulb that's on. But if I turn the top, it doesn't. the bulb doesn't go off, but it closes off the bulb, so now it's dark. So I can turn and turn, which is great on Shabbat. And uh, so we set everything before Shabbat. The bedrooms have the kosher lamps, and we... And everybody knows, like, my, it's one of the greatest things about Shabbat is really shutting it down. Because I am always plugged in, always. Like, aren't you always connected now? Like, constantly. It's, it's, it wasn't that long ago, it seems like five minutes ago, that people didn't have cell phones. You didn't grow up in a world like that. I don't know. Did you grow up? There were cell phones. Yeah, even though you're younger. So, uh, and it's unbelievable. I remember when we started getting phones in the cars, like how crazy that was. I remember my husband... Somebody, uh, whatever, we had, my husband's a rabbi, and we drove all these, like, clunky cars. And uh, my car kept breaking down, and whatever, there's this one woman who I learned with, and she's wealthy, and I had to call her to say, like, I can't meet you today because my car doesn't work again. It won't start again. So she asked her husband, and they had an extra van that they weren't using, and they were going to gonna just donate the van to the organization we worked for, and then we would have this van. Okay, great. So we're so excited. Oh, my gosh, we're getting a van. So we go uh, to check out the van, and there was a car phone in it. Remember, they were attached to the to the car. And I said to my husband, oh, my gosh, it's got a car phone. My husband was like, take it out. I'm like, what? He goes, take it out. I don't want to pay for, for uh, a car phone. I go, wait, but what if we have an emergency? And he goes, how many times have you had an emergency that you had to pull over to phone somebody, okay, to find a pay phone? We don't need it. So today, if my husband leaves the, the house without his phone, like, even if it's a mile away, he would turn around and go back and get it, okay? Like, we're, like, attached to these things. They become – if I leave the car, the house with the phone, it's like I left my right hand at home. It's unbelievable how addicted we are to this stuff, like, literally addicted. I'm sure you've been to restaurants where everybody's – like, there's people sitting around a table. What are they all doing? They're all on their phones. They're all looking down on their phones, okay? This is the world we've created. There was a – a family studies department on an Ivy League college put out an announcement, and the announcement, they declared that there was going to be a day, let's pick, what, I don't know, March 11th. March 11th was going to be family night, okay? Do you know how, like, you know, remember you have Valentine's Day? So now we have, like, not just Mother's Day and Father's Day, we have Secretary's Day and Sweetheart's Day and, like, Hallmark, like, you know, there's a big scam going on, and there's always a day to buy another card, okay, or a gift. So they declared family day. They said, the nation, the United States, we're going to, March 11th is going to be family day. And what did they say? We're going, everybody's going, to, your family is going to sit down and have dinner together, and you're going to unplug everything. That means no phones, no computers, no iPods, no iPads, nothing, nothing. You're going to shut it down. You're going to have dinner together. And you can spend the evening together. No television, okay? You're going to play board games. You're going to talk. You're going to hang out together. You're going to read. 
and we're going to do this once a year. That's going to be good for the family. So what was I thinking? We do this every week. Every week. Friday, we shut it down. Friday night sundown, we shut it down until Saturday night sundown. For 26 hours, we disconnect in order to connect. Shabbat was made for me. I know it was made for you too, but it was for sure made for me. Why? Because I'm one of those people, I'm sure you've gathered, that I would ju- I just run, run, run and do, 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 do. And if, some, if God himself didn't say, stop, Laurie, stop, I wouldn't stop. I would just keep going. Before I became observant, I worked in the world of advertising. I worked for uh, Leo Burnett, worked at an ad agency, and we'd, you'd run around all week long working hard, and then it was TGIF. Okay, oh, thank God it's Friday. And then you would run around all weekend long trying to have fun, and then it's Monday morning, and now we start again, and we run around working all day, and we just keep running. It's like a treadmill. God says, once a week, get off the treadmill. Shut it down. The first time I kept Shabbat, I remember Shabbat was over. I didn't drive. I didn't talk on my phone. I didn't, like, it was unbelievable. So I think Dr. Laura said the first time she kept Shabbat, she laid in bed and tried not to shop. (laughs) So the first time I kept Shabbat, I remember Shabbat was over. I remember thinking, wow, the world kept turning without me. When I realized that God ran the world, I remember feeling so relieved that I didn't have to run it anymore because I really thought that I had to run it, that if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. The Jewish Women's Renaissance Project, the, the greatest advice that anybody gave me about this organization when we started was my friend, Barry Feld. She lives in, uh, she's a Revitson who lives in Cleveland. She said, Lori, just don't get in God's way because what happens? Our own stuff gets in God's way our own insecurities, what will people think of me, what if I fail, our own stuff gets in God's way. God runs the world. We recognize that God runs the world not for, uh, on Shabbat, not for, not for God, but for us, because we have to remember that you don't run it. And it really is very calming, and it's a tremendous relief to remember that, of course, I have to put in my effort, because I grow through the effort. But in the end, the end result, that's up to God. You don't grow through the, your, the day you get your diploma on stage, your college degree. It's all the work you put into it, all right? It's all the effort you put into it. The end result is up to God. We get A for effort. We have to put in the, the greatest effort possible because that's how we grow. All right, so how do you bring Shabbat? How do you turn Friday into Shabbat? How do you bring Shabbat to your family? How do you bring this and not just have like some Ivy League college declare it once a year? So first of all, remember, it's not all or nothing, okay? It doesn't mean, unless I keep all of Shabbat, I might as well do nothing. No, everything counts. Everything counts. You decide to unplug it all on Friday night, and the next day you're going to plug back in, at least you had Friday night. Do you understand? So, and even if you plug it back in on Saturday, it doesn't mean that you should be doing, you know, that you're necessarily getting into your car, okay? Just because you got, you're on your iPhone at home doesn't mean you should get into your car. Do you understand? It's not all or nothing, okay? Everything counts. The most important thing is to be growing, always growing. So you want to bring Shabbat. You want to, if you want to start bringing Shabbat into your life and into your family's life, start with the things that they'll enjoy. 
don't start with like, okay, everybody unplug their phones, okay? And you're going to have a rebellion amongst your teenagers, the teenagers around you, or it's going to be difficult for you. Start with things like light candles, light candles, right? Just, do you ever, do you light your butt candles? Okay. It's just, it takes really like 30 seconds to light. It's a very special moment between, between a woman and God. And it's very beautiful. And you bring light into the world. That's what's going on. You're, you are, uh, a woman is light. She sanctifies space. That's why it's her mitzvah to light the candles because she changes the space around her. Whether she's at the office or she's at home, you feel, you feel what the home is about through the woman. You really do. She brings that light in, and people uh, have different, have different. Um, um, people have different customs when it comes to lighting candles. Uh, most of the time, people light uh, two candles before they have children and every for each child afterwards they light one more because each each child brings more light into the world why did why two candles so so it says in the Torah that you should you that you should remember Shabbat and you should guard it okay you should remember it and you should guard it uh, guard it and remember it so what's the difference between guarding and remembering Rabbi Mitch Mandel in Toronto explained it that it's like a like a tree like a tree. Um, so your tree has the roots and the tree has the blossoms, okay? So Judaism is like that and Shabbat is like that. So what are the blossoms? That's the chicken soup and blessing the children and the challah and the candles and the song and the community, all the fuzzy wuzzies of Shabbat. But the roots are don't drive, okay? Don't, don't use your phone. Uh, don't shop on Shabbat. Don't work. Stop working. So that is, that's the roots. You have to have both. Why? There are people who grow up with all the fuzzy wuzzies, but they're not rooted in something. And after a while, they just start falling away. And there are people who grow up the roots, the do's and the don'ts, but not the beauty of it. So a tree needs roots in order to be, to grow. But if you cut down the blossoms and you just have a forest full of stumps, that's not so attractive either. Okay, you have to have both. You have to have the beauty of Judaism in every aspect of it, but it has to be rooted in something. This has to do with your relationship with God. There was a woman in my who I lived uh, near in Toronto. She's from South Africa. They're traditional, and she she was lamenting to me that my you know we always did Friday night growing up. She goes with my family. Like we always had Friday night was Shabbat. Friday night, Friday night. It's because Friday night is family. Friday night is family. And my son just went off to college. And he told me that on Friday night, he didn't do Shabbat. He went to the pub with his friends. I don't understand. I said, you taught him Friday night is family, and he's not with his family. So Friday night, the family part of Shabbat is fantastic, and it's a bonus. It's beautiful, and being part of a community, and it's people walking in the street and, and, and having meals together and, and being in shul together. It's fantastic. That's bonus. Shabbat is between, it's Shabbat, it's great to be with your family, but it's still Shabbat if you're not with your family, because this is a relationship between you and God. If I miss a flight and I'm stuck in an airport or a strange city over Shabbat, it's still Shabbat. Like it's, 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 it's between me and the Almighty, me and my Creator. So it's important to learn the different aspects of Shabbat and the hows and whys of candle lighting, of, of Kiddush, of, uh, of the Hamotzi over the challah. And again, you want to bring the, the, the things that are the most beautiful and the most pleasurable to your family in the best way. 
So getting your kids to make challah with you, like, oh my gosh, they love it, okay? And my guests can come over and they can say like, wow, I don't I don't necessarily agree with everything you stand for or say, but wow, she makes her own bread, okay? Like it's, you know, it's very impressive to them. But you get them to be, so you make all their favorite food on Shabbat. You want your kids to come to the Friday night table, get them to help you make it, and then they're excited to present it. You get all their favorite treats. They get double dessert on Shabbat because it's Shabbat. Everything is special on Shabbat. You have clothes that you only wear on Shabbat because everything's special on Shabbat. Just you you have games and, and toys and things that they can play with on Shabbat that you only bring out on Shabbat. Or you bring so I had a I had a, a friend whose husband was resisting this, okay? So she wanted to bring it into the family and he was resisting. And then so, but over time he came on board and I was at like some baseball game with her and it was like baseball is so boring like I could just yeah, I'm a hockey person. I'm like baseball. Throw the ball already. So we're sitting there watching this boring game. And I said to her, like, can you tell me, like, how did you get your husband on board? She goes, this is how I did it. She said she would make Shabbat amazing. Okay? She said she would make the house so beautiful. She would dress the kids up. She would make all his favorite food. She would invite all his favorite friends. She bought him a gift every Shabbat. She would say, come home early, honey, and he would come home to all of this, okay? And she made it very romantic that night, okay? He would be an idiot not to come home early the next Friday night. She said, I made it so incredible. How could he not want this? It's generally in the hands of a woman to make this happen. It's not easy if it's the guy who's into it and the woman's not, but I've seen it work as well. If this is something that's important to you, Shabbat, and remember, it's the sign. Without Shabbat, the Jewish people are not in business. Today, with all the craziness, the technology, the intensity, the, the always being plugged in, if we don't unplug, what's, what's going to happen to us? Really? What's gonna, how are we going to create relationships where you actually talk to each other and you look each other in the eye and, you, and you're not distracted? Be here. Be present. Tap into Shabbat. But I want to end with that you should understand that many people look at Shabbat in a different way. There's, there's not one aspect of Shabbat that I'm going to say, and this is how you're going to feel, because this is a unique mitzvah for you. When I was first writing, uh, my first book is called Friday Night and Beyond, and explains Shabbat from beginning to end. Get it on Amazon.com. So I'm writing Friday Night Beyond, and what I wanted to do is I wanted a book that was like the hows, the whys, but lots of stories in it about people of all different walks of life and 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 what they did. Like, did you ever keep? I asked them questions like, "Do you ever keep Shabbat in a funny place?" or "What do you remember keeping your first Shabbat?" or or what? Like, so I would walk them through Shabbat. Uh, in the book, I walk you through Shabbat, the hows and the whys, and each chapter I would ask people questions about that topic, for example, like Kiddush or uh, Hamotzi. So I remember when I got to the to the chapter on the blessing of the bread of making Hamotzi, I remember, uh, remember Rolodexes? No, you're too young. So Rolodexes, so I remember like I'm in my office and at random I would like, I called up this this guy. Uh, I was interviewing guys like, what do you think about when you make hamotzi? In general, it's usually the usually it's the man who makes the blessing over the bread. It can be the woman as well. So I, I called him up. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I naively thought, everybody thought what I thought. Like how I think about when I light Shabbat candles, that's how everybody must think. But it's not true. It's not true. So I called this guy in random uh, by, um, and, I, and I said to him, so what do you think about when you make hamotzi over the bread on Shabbat? He says, I think about 
God's hand taking us out of Egypt. I think about the history and the destiny of the Jewish people. I think about all my blessings. I'm typing away. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I had no idea this is what God thought about when they made Hamotzi. Thank you very much. I call up another guy at random. I said, what do you think about when you make Hamotzi? He goes, I lift up the warm kala and I think this looks yummy. (laughs) And both are right. Nobody can tell you this is how you should feel. This is the one aspect of Shabbat you will connect to. This is special for you. Stop creating to recognize there's a creator. Disconnect in order to connect. Shabbat is the sign between you and your creator. Shabbat Shalom. Good Shabbos. Thank you for listening to the JWRP Momentum Talks. We hope that you have been inspired as you continue on your Jewish journey. Visit us online at jwrp.org 